my welcome. Now, this is a good time to call in because now I can actually get your call on the air right away without uh, keeping you on hold. Um, it's like it, it's it's a little bit of hell talking for an hour and then people call right when I got to go to a 10 minute break. Like, oh, man, I'm not going to hold on through that either. Uh, so anyway, talking about the uh, the labor shortage in America. And is it, you know, there's actually some uh, discussion as to, is it a real thing? Do we really have a labor shortage? And, and I have to tell you that I, I believe we do, because uh, like you, I mean, how many business owners do you know in every possible line of human endeavor? How many business owners do you know? And are any of them saying, wow. We have more applicants than we can possibly handle. Gee, we're operating with a full crew. Um, it just it does not seem to be the case. And it, look, it has not been for several years, but the COVID situation made it worse. But I will not. And, and by the way, this show is actually coming from a random conversation that I had from a, a lady in a drugstore today. And the conversation started because she was upset at the line at the pharmacy. And I'm sure that you likely experience the same thing I do. I never used to experience lines. And you know what else? Never experienced, oh, we don't have that medication in stock. Supply chain issues. Oh, is it because nobody's working? 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. It's a weird world when the pharmacy is running out of prescription drugs, but your weed guy always has bud. Let's go to uh, Mark in Buffalo on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom. How are you? Yes, sir. Um, the reason why, uh, part of the reason why they can't hire people, is like, a lot of these people are like uneducated, and this like really vexed me. I uh, had to owe 76 cents in change to a cashier. So I gave her two quarters, one dime, three nickels, and one penny. She could not count this amount of change for five minutes. And they wonder why they can't hire people? Uh, that That's disturbing. But even in a situation like that, the cash registers today typically tell an employee how much change to give. Maybe they're going to have to build in. That would be two quarters, three nickels, and one penny. Maybe they're going to have to specify exactly what it is from now on. But the employers that I know, frankly, I'm, I'm stunned that they have not resorted to going to cemeteries and digging up uh, the, the fresh ones and putting them behind a counter just for appearance's <laughs> sake. I'm only slightly exaggerating. <laughs> There's a, a myriad of national security threats, man. A lack of education in this country, like you were referring to with the labor shortage, a lack of American energy independence, selling our strategic petroleum reserve to China. I mean, the greatest national security threat is the national debt. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's no, we're not talking about that. Trillion. We're not. Yeah, yeah we're not we, talking about that today. But uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the call, uh, Mark you, in uh, Buffalo. Uh, all right, labor shortage is it a reality? Is it a myth? Your story 
I don't know any business that isn't looking for people. Uh, let's go to Jack in uh, North Buffalo. Jack, you're on WBEN. Welcome to the show. You've got a different take on it. Go right ahead. Oh, yeah, Tom. Um, I'm retired, 66 years old, and I'm starting to look for a part-time job. And what I don't like is the impersonal job interviews that you have now. It's either Facebook or whatever they call some of these other uh, uh, computer. Zoom? Do Zoom, Zoom, Zoom calls? I've done a few. I've done a few of those. I've done phone interviews. I mean, whatever happened to going into a place, shaking hands with somebody, sitting down, eye-to-eye contact, talking to somebody, and getting to know them. It's just, it's by the wayside. And I guess it happened after COVID. So, I don't know. Well, look, that's, um, I mean, you see, one one of the problems, we were talking before about uh, younger people not wanting to talk. They're all about texting and emailing. They don't want to talk. So maybe some of the people with whom you have been um, applying, maybe they're younger than you are, and they don't even know how to have a conversation face-to-face with you. Oh, yeah, I agree, because I'm not a huge texter. Um, I want to talk to you on the phone. You know, I'll call my siblings or somebody, and I want to talk to you. I don't want to text you back and forth. You know, it's but hey, it's a different uh, different world we live in. That's for sure. Uh, that that is correct. Now, how I would imagine, sir, that you've been deluged with job offers. Uh, actually, not. Um, and uh, I don't know. My resume's been out there, like. Indeed, and some of those other places, and and again, I don't want a full-time job, and maybe part of the problem is, you know, all I'm looking for is some kind of part-time work, so I don't know if that's against me or not, you know. Do, doing what? What would you like to uh, to do for a living? Um, any any kind of uh, part-time office work. Uh, you know, I was a purchasing agent for over 30 years, and... Uh, I like the office setting. I, I mean, I can't do any physical work anymore, but any kind of an office setting would be perfect, you know. But nobody's biting. No, so far, no, no. I've had a couple, but but uh, nothing, uh, you know, nothing yet. I this, haven't nailed one down yet. This but, is stunning to even, me. Let me. Let me. Pardon my interruption, but I must tell you, I was talking with an employer on the drive-in today. Okay, because this whole conversation I had with this lady just it totally sparked my interest and I wanted to get to the bottom of it. And I was talking to an employer who literally said, you know, we actually enjoy hiring people or trying to hire people who are older because we find that even if they are older, they've got more energy and more of a work ethic than the 20 year olds today. Oh, I agree 100 percent with that. I mean. You know, work ethic, uh, it seems, has gone by the wayside. I know I hate to, you know, put all these young people in the, you know, in a box, but, uh, you know, some of them are go-getters, some of them aren't, and there seems to be a lot of non-go-getters, but, you know, it's a shame. Uh, but no job. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, sir. I, I, I wish you the very yeah. best. Um, thank you kindly. I appreciate hearing from you, love. All right, take care. All right, Jack, thank you. Okay, um, 
Look, this is not the first call I've had from somebody or the first call you've heard from somebody saying, I don't want to hear employers whining about a labor shortage because I can't get a job. Because looking at it from the outside, it would seem to me that I don't think there's ever been a better time to get a job than right now because everybody's looking. Everybody's hiring. Let's go to uh, Renee in uh, Buffalo. Uh, Renee, here on WBEN, welcome to the show. Uh, Where are you coming from on this? Hey, Tom. Um, I'm going to concur with your last caller. Um, From what I've seen, there there are so many people looking for jobs that can't find them. Um. You know, I've been self-employed for God over 20 years now, and you know, in, in my business, you know, it's all like you know, finance and mortgaging, and well, you know, that 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 uh, field is kind of you know <laughs> going downhill right now. So I just thought, you know, for poops and giggles, you know, I'd, I'd see what was out there. Well, I've been on like you know, I've looked at Indeed and like like your last caller said, and various others, and I I cannot believe. I haven't, I mean, how many resumes I've put out there, like I said, just for poops and giggles, just to see what's out there. And there's been, like, no response at all. I see a lot of people out there on LinkedIn, you know, complaining about the same thing. You know, like middle-aged people like myself that can't even get one bite for an interview. It's crazy. Renee, you sent out how many resumes? Like over 75 in the last, well, four months. And what kind of position um, is your favorite? Don't say missionary. Don't say missionary. What what kind of position is your favorite? Oh, like I guess finance and, and banking and you know all that you know happy stuff. I mean, I, I've been in real estate for a while. Uh, several several aspects of real real estate. Again, it's kind of going down right now, but because uh, of the market and you know the uh, the. Uh, the uh, uh interest rates the, uh, yeah the interest rates sorry thank you brain fart um but yeah them going up and and what have you but um you know you know it's just kind of like that field management you know i've put management out there since i've you know owned a business and oh god nothing nothing i mean even you know i'm like okay let me look at you know maybe jobs close to what i do well, you know, you have one variable that's off from what we require, and they, you know they don't want to train you for you know one missing variable, you know, in the mix, and and just really, <laughs> you know, that that makes no. This goes against everything that I've been hearing from people. By the way, if if you can relate with what Renee and our previous caller have been saying about, hey, I don't want to hear about a labor shortage because I can't get a job. Nobody's even nibbling at me, so to speak. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. So uh, have you been um, sending your resume to places with known openings, or uh, have you been just basically carpet bombing? Uh, um, known openings mostly, but you know, some, some carpet bombing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, you know, just everything under the sun, basically, and then these these apps, you know, have, have an AI system that will do it for you. you know, I've suggested you 115 times and, you know, things like that. And, you know, still nothing. I heard from another uh, woman on my Facebook page recently that said that uh, she she was told uh, rather blatantly that, you know, she was too up in age. Uh, I think she's like 53 or something. You know, you know, for them to uh, to go forward with uh, with hiring her, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! You know that that's against New York State law. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I don't know I'm, if it's an age thing, you know, like middle age, you know, they don't want to hire you for that reason, or I don't know what the deal is, really. Well, uh, I, I want to hear from as many people as possible, uh, employers and people like yourself who say, labor shortage, are you on crack, Tom? Because I can't get a job offer, dis- well, no, I'm not, uh, despite sending out dozens and dozens of resumes. I mean, you, I know, you, I'm going back to being self-employed. Well, you, well <laughs> but walking the street is tough, Renee. Um, I know Renee, so don't don't send hate mail to the station. Uh, I've known Renee for a very long time. Um, the uh, the uh, the devil's always in the details, but the uh, the the situation is um, it it's remarkable to me. And you've got a master's degree, correct? In business administration, public administration, public administration. Do you think? that the jobs for which you are applying, perhaps they are scared that you are overqualified? Mm, I'm not sure. I know that one um, one place actually, you know, had the audacity to come out and ask her, so what don't you like about my qualifications? And <laughs> this one told me that um, I was, uh, my salary expectations were over what they, what they were, you know, going to hire at, you know, it was like 50,000 or something ridiculous. I'm like, you, you don't want to hire me because, you know, I'm lowballing at 50,000 to start. I, I thought that was rather low, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember when $50,000 a year was a lot of money. Now, um, you know, you, it, it's not that hard to make 50 G's. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, well, you know, maybe I could lower it for you, you know, at 45. Well, you know, I'm all saying, and you know, never a uh, never a uh, response could, back after that. Renee, you you could wrap burritos and make more money. You could be you. a it's server a in a restaurant at a decent joint and make more money. Thank you. I know. I saw Tim Hortons that they had a sign out that said, "You know, starting at like eighteen dollars an hour." I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I should go to a Tim Hortons. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> you know what? I mean, I I, I get it. I, I understand it. I, I can't wait to hear from other people, Renee. And uh, I think you might have started a firestorm here, judging by all the people who are calling in. I uh, appreciate hearing from you. Um, t- all right. Thank you so you much. Doing. And good luck uh, getting a job. And if anybody wants information about Renee, just send me an email, tom at wben.com. It will be the best $300,000 salary you've ever paid anybody. <laughs> um, thank you, Renee. Thanks, uh, that's uh, that's really, really interesting. She, she's super smart, and she has the qualifications. Uh, and $50,000 in today's economy, seriously, with prices being what they are, um, that's not an unrealistic expectation. And those of you who are servers in restaurants, I, I bet you – I would bet that you're doing better than you ever have because COVID taught people that you are valuable and you need to be compensated with gratuities. And I think that might have carried through um, the COVID uh, pandemic. And maybe people are still tipping a little more than they used to. Standard tip used to be, I think I remember it being 10%. Then it was 15%. Now the standard tip is typically 25%. Is it not? Let's go to uh, Steve in North Tonawanda, the home of the Riviera Theater and Rambo Jim. You're on WBEN. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Tom. Yeah, I always wave to Rambo when I see him walking around here. Um, well, he's. Yeah, I just want to. Just, just well, next clear, time, next time you see Jim, say, Jim, are you parachuting into Panama today? 
because <laughs> that's a standing joke that we have. Jim has been calling the show since the 1980s, so we're entitled to bust each other's uh, umps. What's on your mind? You got sir? it. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't want to be specific on what, what department I work for, but uh, I am a police officer, and I, I've been. I'm halfway to retirement. Thank God. Um, I got 10 years on. Uh, got hired in 2013, pre-bail reform and all that stuff. And uh, I remember I uh, always wanted to be a cop growing up. My dad was a cop. And I remember taking, signing up for these civil service exams, going to, like, ECC South to, to take the exam. And the line to get in would be around the building. Like, and you'd get your number, and it's like, you're, oh, my God, there's thousands of people. Now we can't find people to be cops to save our lives. It's ridiculous. We have been shorthanded. I don't think there's been an entire year I've worked where we've been fully staffed for, uh, for an entire year. Like, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. You know what? And- it's, sir, Steve, it's absolutely insane. And one, one of the things that we're seeing is some of the departments that used to want a four-year degree are now saying uh, high school or high school equivalent is good enough. And as you pointed out, I mean, you, you've been on the job now. You're halfway through your career. Back in the 1980s, that was the beginning of the push for four-year college degrees for cops. That's when the state police would get thousands and thousands of people taking the trooper exam um, when it was publicized it was going to be, and the Erie County exam. And the police departments had their pick of dozens of qualified future police officers. Now nobody wants to do the job. Why might that be, Steve? Well, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, how the media portrays us. I mean, cops truly are guilty until they're proven innocent. I think that's terrified a lot of people. Um, they think if they, you know, they get on the job and they do, God forbid, have to use their guns, that they're going to be absolutely crucified. Um, I think the image that uh, the media has portrayed of cops that were these, you know, uh, like the, a street gang with guns that don't have to abide by the laws. Um, and I think the other reason, the main reason, Tom, is because I've seen personally people become cops. Um, you know, in recent years, and then they, they get on, they're like, oh, my God, like, we can't enforce half the stuff that I thought we could. Like, what do you mean? I just I just arrested this guy for DWI. He crashed his car into a house, and I have to let him go on a ticket? Like, they can't believe it, you know? And then, then the public gets mad at us, and we're like, it, it's our hands are tied. We can't do anything about it, you know? Um, it, especially in New York State. I mean, I'll tell you what, I— I've grown up here. I've lived here my whole life. But when I hit 20, man, I'm, I'm out. I am out. And, I'll and, my pension to another state. Right. He's talking about uh, 20 and out uh, with his department, 20-year retirement. Um, don't, and we don't want him to name the department. Uh, Steve, um, this is a really fascinating area. Um, I have a lot of people, but can, can you stick on through the break so we can talk a little bit more about this? Because a lot of people, myself included, fascinated by police work and fascinated by the ups and downs of police popularity in America. September 11, 2001, and immediately thereafter, you could do no wrong. George Floyd and a bunch of situations before then, you could do no right. And yeah. sometimes you walked into uh, ambushes. People just wanting to kill themselves a cop. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll hang on. Yeah, hold on. This is, a, this is a great call, folks, because this is a very important issue. Um, we need people to be police officers. Um, where did I see? I think, uh, was it Gowanda PD? Uh, pretty much any every single PD in western New York 
needs police officers. And back in the 1980s, it was a dream job. Remember, we de-industrialized in the 1980s. People wanted steady work with good pay and solid benefits. And being a police officer offered that. But now, here we are, uh, 40 years later, and being a cop is not real high on a lot of people's lists. Most cops I know don't want their kids to follow in their footsteps because of the exposure to liability and culpability uh, that is out there, and all you're, you're one hashtag away from having your entire life destroyed because it really is guilty until proven innocent, which is a total bastardization of our whole criminal justice system in America. But we'll talk more about that coming up. Also, the labor shortage in America is it real or is it a filthy capitalist myth? On News Radio 930 WBEN. <laughs> Yeah, cool song. Actually, uh, Seventh Sign played this uh, the other night with uh, Nori Bucci on guitar. No, she didn't play bass guitar, but uh, anyway, this is actually a song. It's How Long by Ace. People think it's a song about uh, a woman cheating on a guy. It's actually a song about a bass player cheating on his band. <laughs> True story. Anyway, uh, that's a bit of American music trivia history there. Uh, let's get back to uh, Steve in North Tonawanda on WB, and we're talking about the labor shortage in America. Is it real or is it a myth? And we've heard from a couple of people so far who say, hey, I've sent out resumes. I can't get a bite. And they looked at me asking for $50,000 like I was asking for $50 million. Now, Steve is in uh, law enforcement. And if you've been keeping abreast of law enforcement, they've been having a hell of a time. Um, attracting candidates who want to do that work. Steve is absolutely right. In the 80s, thousands of people took those exams, civil service exams. Now, nobody wants to be a cop. Um, Steve, obviously the George Floyd um, murder comes to mind, but before that, did, did Ferguson, Missouri have the same kind of chilling effect on recruiting? Uh, I think it started there. Um, I personally didn't really feel it until uh, 2020. Um, I, I think that was such an odd year for us, especially for my department. I mean, we had things happen that never happened there in the history of our department. Um, and, you know, it just really made me, I mean, I never for once said that I was going to quit or anything like that. But uh, I'll tell you what, when there's people that I graduated with, bringing in $120,000, $130,000, you know, working, you know, with their four-year degrees from home, you know, doing stuff like this, business meetings, retreat stuff. And I'm still, you know, I'm almost 34 years old. I'm working midnights and it's like, I'm getting called in away from my family dinner and everything. It's like, you, you sort of question, it's like, what am I really doing here? Am I really appreciated? Is this making a difference? You know? Um, and, and then, you know, you hope that, you, you hope and pray that your your department administration is going to be on your side and they're not going to succumb to the pressure of, you know, the attorney general or, you know, whoever. Um, and uh, those are the things that really made me uh, question what I'm doing and uh, kind of like pull it back a little bit and just say, you know, just really, I hate to say it, but it's like second guess yourself. And in, in our line of work, sometimes that can get you killed, you know. 
Um, absolutely. Uh, my uh, my cousin was a cop out in Arizona, and he got hurt on the job. He was doing a vehicle stop, and he got hit by a car. Never was the same. Recently died. Um, you know, it, it, there's so many things Sorry. that there's so many things that can go wrong um, in in that situation. Did, are, are people still writing on the uh, on the chalkboard in the briefing room? Midnights suck. <laughs> oh God, we're ruthless. I'll take other. that as a no. yes. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> uh, that's no. It's it's um, it, it, what you do for. I mean, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. Do you see any way? In this defund the police climate, uh, cops are nothing but a bunch of evil, murdering racists. We have the President of the United States saying, I don't know why they shoot to kill. Um, uh, seriously, it's always been about center body mass and it's right. never going to change. Um, how do you possibly not just recruit but retain in an environment like what we're experiencing now? Well, you know, you have to have a good uh, administration from the top down. I think that's uh, the, the number one key to not only keeping guys, but also, um, you know, attracting good candidates to your department. They want to know that they're going to be supported. And that's one of the reasons why so many people uh, that want to be cops, like truly want to be cops, have moved south is because that that exists in the south. They do have, I mean, they don't even have, a lot of these departments in the South don't even have unions like us. So that always scared us Northerners away. But now we're learning that the sheriffs and the chiefs and stuff down there really support their guys. And, you know, standing by your guy when he's going through a tough situation, whether he made a, you know, a tough call or if he got in a shoot or something like that is huge. And people want, you know, guys want to know that they're going to be supported. And we have to... You know, unfortunately, like like to quote Dakota Meyer, you know, a Medal of Honor recipient, I'm sure you know who he is. Right. You know, he said that he would, you know, September 11th is horrible, but he would give anything to have the world the way it was or the United States the way it was September 12th. And unfortunately, uh, you know, when we're at this point, at a point like this in, in time, when law enforcement is being, you know, disrespected and everything, sometimes it takes something horrible for people to realize, wow, they, they really will run towards the gunfire, you know, when it happens. They really will run into the burning building if the firemen aren't there yet with no equipment on. Like, I've seen guys do incredible things, and it's just been swept right under the car- carpet under the guise of we're all, all these, you know, macho ego guys just looking to shoot somebody, you know. Um, it's just disheartening. Um, yeah, disheartening would be uh, would be one word. Um, do you have any contact at all with uh, your brothers and sisters in law enforcement uh, who are COs? Yeah, actually, I was uh, a CO for about a year, um, year and a half before I was uh, before I was hired um, by the department. But uh, that was tough too because. You know, I went into it thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch these guys and, you know, I'm going to tell them they can do this and they can do that. When in reality, I found out it's it's almost the same thing. They they uh, you know, the, the hours are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with corrections and corrections. It's, it's, it's even more thankless because you're stuck in there with them for, you know, 16 hours a day, 12 hours a day, whatever. And. I remember just sitting there thinking, you know, t- having to tell guys, no, don't do this, don't do that, and just praying, 
oh, I hope they don't file a complaint form on me because they can do that. They can file a complaint form. They can put it in a box, a lockbox in the housing unit, and you never see. And next thing you know, you get called in on the carpet, and it's like, what am I doing here? You know, what are we doing? Well, just remember to watch your language around the inmates and, and don't call oh, yeah. them any bad names because they're very sensitive. They're very labile. Uh, they're delicate little flowers, um, yeah. especially the guys at um, Delta Wing um, at uh, Alden. Um, very delicate. They it, it takes them a few days to make a shiv out of something in the microwave. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you've heard that story. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate what you and uh, all the other law enforcement people do. I, I also appreciate my annual stickers. Thank you for those. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I, I appreciate what you do. And uh, it's going to be very. You know what? Here's here's kind of a freaky thought with artificial intelligence being what it is now and um, robotics being what robotics is right now. You know that movie RoboCop that came out back in the 1980s? Oh, yeah. We yeah. might actually be entering into a RoboCop era. Think about that. Yeah. And, you know, people, Tom, people think that that sounds, like, great. They think that, oh, yeah, that, that's what we need. But in reality, it's like, do you want to be driving down the 990 and get a text saying, we caught you, we've billed your bank account, this is your fine, this is your license plate, these are how many points you got. Like, no, absolutely. There's no discretion there. You know, it's just. Uh, no, there, all, there always has to be officer discretion. I've never been a fan of speed cameras, red light cameras, because they always get they always get abused. And as you well know, officer discretion is very important. And the longer you do what you do for a living, the better you get at discretion because the faster you can recognize whether somebody is a threat or just is having a mental health crisis. Absolutely. Absolutely. And training is so important too. And that's one of the things I, you know, that's so uh, hard about when you're not fully staffed. It's like, you're not fully staffed. You're just struggling to find guys to work the road and you don't have time to do the training. And that's one of the things I will agree with is that cops across the country need to train more. You know, these guys are doing these jobs for 20, 30 years and we're not training half as much as we should. We're really not. And it just, if, if that's anything in progressive policing that has to be stressed, it's more training a hundred percent. That's what I hear. Um, great call, uh, Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm happy to hear from you and stay safe. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. Take care. All right, there's uh, Steve, and uh, wow, I, I tell you, that's don't 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 rule out the RoboCop thing becoming a reality. If you can't find human beings to do the job anymore, and if you've got AI technology and you've got Teflon technology and uh, robotic technology, it's not that much of a stretch. Maybe not in 20 years, but maybe in 40 years. But then again, technology advances very quickly and exponentially. One never knows. Is there really a labor shortage, or is that a propaganda trick of those filthy capitalist pigs? Let's go to, uh, you like the way I'm phrasing that, Tom and Sheikhtawaga. You're on WBEN. Thank you for holding. Hey, Tom, not a problem listening to that last caller, Steve. Uh, there's more of us behind uh, law enforcement than, than hopefully he thinks. We're behind you, buddy. And he said a lot of true stuff there. And Every day, criminals cross that southern border, but uh, and our cops, we're getting less and less of them. And, hey, everybody, pay attention to where you, where and how you, um, how you vote. But anyway, as far as the jobs go, 
I think a couple of those callers earlier were talking about uh, business uh, jobs and stuff. And there's not a lot of that now because I know the economy is phenomenal. But the truth is it really isn't. And a lot of those places aren't aren't hiring for that stuff. Where you could get a job right away is obviously food service restaurants, but in healthcare. But a lot of the older people can't handle that kind of work. And the younger people don't want to work at, say, a nursing home because you make more money at a local hamburger joint. And those places could need uh, can use help tomorrow. Um, well, this, what an interesting uh, concept, Tom. And the other thing, too, is um, a lot of the healthcare joints in New York State, because of state regulations, they had to shoot themselves in the foot yes, over mandating over mandating yeah. the vaccine, which I was never in favor of. And no. I'm sure you know people who had to get fired from or who quit oh, yeah. their jobs because they wouldn't get the vaccine, the no. so-called vaccine, the jab. And it's really that was a very disturbing part of our history. Some of those uh, people that were just calling in are at my age. I'm 64, and obviously working in a nursing home for me now would be too much. But young, strong people, my God, if those companies paid a little more and they changed that stupid minimum wage deal, you know, that would really help uh, um, help out those situations too. But, but as you know, a nursing home, and I'm going to have to break for traffic, and then I'm going to come back to you, but a nursing home, it's very difficult work. Um Oh, it, it, because physically easy. it is draining, and as yep. much as we like to think of people in nursing homes as being very, very vulnerable and sweet and appreciative of everything that is done for them, some of those people, through no fault of their own, are right. absolutely miserable and lash out at staff. Uh, and and you know, if you are uh, one of our black brothers and sisters, um, you have to take stuff from a senior. Yep that you would never take from anybody else. And, you know, thank you for doing what you do. And I'm sure you understand that person is, you know, demented, literally. Um, hold, hold on, sir, if you would. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. And there are people who volunteer in nursing homes. My mom did that for many years. Thank you for doing that. But nursing home work is so tough. And, yeah, a lot of people are very, very sweet, but some of them are just downright if they make me seem nice, okay? The uh, labor shortage we've all been hearing about. Is it real? Or have you been sending resumes out and these evil capitalist pigs won't hire you because you want more than minimum wage? Is there really a labor shortage? Or is that, it, or is it just a bunch of, of BS? Now, from where I sit, it's a real thing because I know a lot of people who own their own businesses, and it is a bitch. And you know what they really like? Refugees. Refugees uh, from Somalia and from Burma specifically were talked about last night at uh, a gathering of you know some of the friends that I have, and the refugees from Somalia and from Burma are very highly regarded by employers. They bust their butts. They bust their butts, and they work hard. And I heard a story about a Somali family that was uh, renting an apartment, and you know what they did? They put plastic over the carpet, and the landlord said, how come you did that? They said, well, because the carpet's so nice, we didn't want to walk on it, um, because they never had carpeting before. They had a, a, a dirt floor. And they were just the, the nicest people in the world and, again, very hard working. Uh, let's get back to uh, Tomas in uh, Chictawaga. Uh, we're talking about, uh, talking about nursing homes before the break. 
Right. And the other thing, too, I'll add real quick, and then I have a couple of suggestions. The, the, the governor wants to add all these mental health beds, which, my God, is much needed, but there's no one to work those, those beds. That, the staffing and stuff, that's not easy work either. But a couple suggestions. People my age, maybe, uh, maybe you know some people too, they actually got hired. They went and worked for the Bills and Sabres as ushers, and they're looking for good people communication skills. And it's part-time, and the Bills, I know, and my buddies are having a ball doing it. Um, and lastly, if people my age can just stay healthy for another seven years when they get rid of all the natural gas, maybe we can all get jobs on treadmills powering up the grid. <laughs> Thanks, All right, that's, you, I think you just won the world today, sir, with that line. We'll be like little gerbils. Yes, why not? <laughs> All right, <laughs> great call. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, there's uh, there's my audience. Okay, good. Josh, I was a little worried that first hour there. You see the fear in my face, the look in my eyes? Yeah, but you guys are awesome. And, and we're going to continue talking about this labor shortage. Is it the real deal or is it not? And those of you who are employers, I'd like to broaden this out a little bit. Refugees. Tell me, tell the audience about the refugees you've hired and how good they are, how hardworking they are. Frank Todaro owns a collision shop. He's also an Erie County legislator, and he has hired many refugees over the years, and he pays them very well. Thank you. But the refugees work, they work like Americans used to work. Um, and it's quite incredible. I took a tour of his shop and uh, just amazing. Now, I'm not sure what it's like now because now you dent your fender. It might be a while before you get another one in um, or, you know, you, you something happens to your vehicle. Like uh, somebody I know with a Rover got rear-ended and uh, the part that happened in December or November, the part isn't coming in until February. February. That's that's absurd. And I, I wonder, is that supply chain or is that labor shortage around the world which contributes to the lack of a supply chain? I know businesses that have so many orders that they need to get out the door, but they can't get them out the door because they don't have the people to do it. It's 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 horrible. But now I hear from some of you that you keep trying for jobs, but you can't get any. So somewhere the truth must be. And that's what we try to find. Quote est veritas, said Pilate to Jesus somewhere. Um, anyway, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. That was Latin for what is truth, if you didn't know that. 